sill Been so lonesome chasing that morning chill Oh, little red bird, open your mouth and say Been so lonesome, I just about flown away So long now I've been out in the rain and snow But winter's come and gone, a little bird told me so Hello and welcome to the How I Healed podcast. I am joined today by my co-host, Mary Lou Singleton, who is a family nurse practitioner, herbalist, and apprentice-trained home birth midwife. She has been caring for the health of New Mexican families for over 25 years. Mary Lou believes all healthcare modalities, from allopathic medicine to energy work and everything in between, have healing potential. That healing is always an individual journey to be supported by community, and that when it comes to healing, effectiveness is the measure of the truth. She is a critic of the pharmaceutical industry and the mainstream medical industry, which promotes drug dependence and chronic disease maintenance rather than healing. She believes healing is always possible and co-created the How I Healed podcast to share stories of healing, hope, and recovery. Thanks, Jocelyn. I'm Mary Lou, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jocelyn McDonald, who is an artist and storyteller. She is enlivened by the infinite potential of humans to heal and helps others walk this path through her art and music. Her healing practice focuses on making and finding meaning out of the crises and major choice points of our lives. She offers one-on-one -on -one support through coaching and archetypical astrology and tarot. She specializes in assisting with psychedelic integration and pharmaceutical cessation. Welcome back to the How I Healed podcast. Today, we are talking to beloved friend and acupuncturist, Kate Ader. Well, I don't even have a blurb about Kate. Um, okay. Riff. <laughs> riff. I'm just going to riff. Okay. Kate is a mother and acupuncturist who lives just north of Santa Fe in beautiful New Mexico. She has been practicing Chinese medicine for decades and mm -hmm. is a wonderful contributor to the health of our New Mexican community. Thank you, Mary Lou. That was lovely. Thank you, Kate, for being here with us. I am so sad yeah. to have you, you know, me and Mary Lou on this podcast, bring up traditional Chinese medicine on every single episode because we both love it so much. And yet not being experts in it, either of us, we're always like, we need to get Kate. She'll tell us. <laughs> the yeah, so here you are at last. I'm so glad to be here. Mm -hmm. yeah. So just before we started this podcast, you know, we were, we were asking you a little bit to tell us about how you <laughs> were introduced to traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. You had mentioned you had a shoulder industry and Industry. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah. So I was um, going to school to, with the goal of getting a biochemistry degree and going to med school or vet school, I wanted to do something with medicine. And then I got a shoulder injury. I was really young. It wasn't healing. I was 21 and I couldn't lift anything. I had no range of motion. I couldn't pick up my backpack, stuff like that. So, you know, I went to physical therapist. I went to other doctors. They said to do PT and like work up my chest and my back muscles to compensate. It wouldn't heal, wouldn't heal, wouldn't heal. So like many people as a last ditch effort, I was like, well, I'll try this crazy acupuncture idea. And after the first treatment, I had more range of motion. And within four 
four to five treatments, I think total, it was healed. And that was amazing to me. I had no idea how it worked. The woman I went to was like, yeah, I failed my boards like multiple times before. And I was like, wow. And you still like just did this, you know, until he healed me up. Um, so at that point, I looked into acupuncture school, decided I was going to do a totally different path. It was one of those big, just um, big decisions in life, you know, that just kind of hits. So that took me to acupuncture school. But I just, you know, it makes me think of so many things like that, that are just mild injuries that or, or, or major things or all sorts of things that Western medicine just has their kind of recipe for. And if it doesn't work, there's no, no other option. And, um, and my first semester of Chinese medicine school, I was like, what have I done? What have I put myself into? It made no sense. They were like the liver in spring and the wind and it's green. And I was, none of this makes any sense, but I was like, I have to at least give it a year and, and see if this is really the wrong path and it's just crazy and um and then it started to click and it started to make sense and I'm just super grateful that I found it because it changed the whole way I thought about everything you know and the more that I've learned about it and learned about it it's changed the way I think about spirituality and it's changed the way I think about really everything and I'm just so grateful to not just have that western mindset to have these you know thousands of years of eastern wisdom and just a completely different way of thinking about medicine and healing in the world in general. Yeah. So sh oh, shoulders, yeah. I think, you know, I not coming from a DOM paradigm with what I'm about to say, but coming more mm -hmm. from like the body as, uh, as a storyteller and mythic underpinnings of, of our lives. So the shoulders, the um, etymological root of shoulders is the word should. Mm -hmm. And then we have like the Atlas myth of the, the world on your shoulders. Sharing. And I think of that time of being 21 and it's so fraught with that sense of what is my destiny? What is my vocation? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so beautiful that this started in that area of your body of what should I be doing? Like, mm -hmm. what's my should here? Why is it stuck? But yeah. In, in Chinese medicine, how, um, what goes through the shoulder? What's the, what are the energetic? Well, areas? you have, you have the small intestine meridian. You have the large intestine meridian, you have the Sanjiao meridian, actually like this whole area of the body, so many meridians go through it that it can be hard to treat and diagnose, right? Because this is kind of like exactly right where everything, all the young meridians go through the neck. So that's like there's stomach, large intestine, small intestine, Sanjiao gallbladder, I'm missing one because I'm tired. But anyway, yeah, um, your whole world, So there's a whole lot going on, you know, I mean, generally when we're, if you have your hands raised up, we're bringing the yang down the outside of the body and all the way down into the earth. And then the earth energy comes up the inside of the body all the way out. So we're basically connecting heaven and earth. Like this is the idea in Chinese medicine is we arms just by being our whole body, right? So, oh, you know, if you have your arms up, the yang energy is coming down the outside of the body all the way down like the IT bands on the outside of the legs into the earth and then coming up the, from the bottom of the feet and the inside inner legs and the ventral part of the body and then the inside arms. And so, you know, just by existing, we are doing our job on earth, you know? 
Would you say that we're like the lightning rod that unites the chi between heaven and earth, just like a lightning bolt, like has to meet the electricity from the sky to the earth in order to, that's us, we're the, we're the lightning. That's us. Yeah. Like in Taoism, there's the Tao, the, the wholeness, the nothingness, the everything, the mystery, the great spirit. Um, and then we get duality. So we get yin and yang. So that's two. And then the numerical number three brings in form because yin is nothing with by itself and yang is nothing by itself. So they need to be in a form together, which is chi. And that's where we are the chi. Like we're just holding yin and yang. That's all we're doing. And then yin and yang move in a cosmic fashion, right? There are rhythms and cycles of how yin and yang move. So we're just reflecting the macro within our bodies. So for example, the all the ancient texts say the sage faces south. So if you're facing south, the sun is rising on your eastern side and it's setting on your western side. And this is the movement of chi in our bodies. We move down on the right and up on the left. And in a, in a real general way, right? And so we have, we're just reflecting the cosmos in a, you know, the micro and the macro. And so, when we look at Chinese medicine, we're just looking at where those cosmic movements aren't moving correctly. You know, when there's a lack of health or harmony or balance, it's just like, where is the cosmic motion stuck, right? And so we use herbs to open directions. That's what they're doing. Like we talk about herbs as warming and cooling and, um, you know, salty breaks up, broke like stuck blood and things like that. But um, really, the herbs are just opening different directions. So if we're stuck on the Western side and we have a really full, hot, like heart attack looking chest body, you know, red face, we're stuck on the West, like things aren't moving down. So we give an herb that opens the Western direction to allow our, our cosmic rhythms to come back into play and move our energy correctly. hope that's making sense. But that's kind of just the general gist of it. Uh, it's making sense. And it's also somewhat answering the question that I wanted to begin with, which is that I'm sure that many of our readers are going to be clients of acupuncturists or know a lot about traditional Chinese medicine. But for those of our listeners who are new to this, when you first began talking about your introduction to acupuncture, you said that it was an entire paradigm shift and that in the study of it, you were really confronted with an alternative to Western, to the Western orientation. So can you speak a little bit more to that for those people who are not familiar with the concepts of chi or um sure. or like what is all this for how is it so different and why is that so important for us to work right with? i think one of the main things is something i think about a lot in the kind of western versus eastern or science versus faith maybe is that most chinese medicine is we work in the invisible realm you know, we, we can't, one of my teachers would say, you say, show me chi. I can't show you. I can't open you up and show you your chi, you know, but we feel it, right? You put a needle in, people go, whoa. And I go, that's your energy. I didn't put anything in you. I didn't, I didn't direct my chi into you. You know, I'm intentionally asking the body to move in a certain way. But um, so that was a really big shift is I grew up with a much more kind of scientifically minded. I thought religion was stupid. I thought God was stupid. I thought, um, you know, when I was very young and idealistic, um, those things have changed for me now, you know, but well, religion is a tough word, but spirituality in general, I was like, 
you know, um, I want to see science. I want to see proof. I love to see the molecules. I want to know how everything fits together. I liked molecular level stuff. And this was just kind of like, well, springtime is the time of the liver and the movement is up and out and the color associated is green and the flavor is sour and the element is wind. And, you know, like I said, at first I was like, this is bonkers. And then after I started learning about it, what started, I guess, coming together for me is that there are rhythms and cycles in the universe that, of course, are really everything that make us alive, you know, and everything that we notice. Like, that's the thing that we actually are living with all the time. We're not digging in and finding, you know, I remember doing like a, a cadaver lab and looking at the nerves and, and they're so cool and pearly and like neat, but, you know, this isn't what acupuncture is. A lot of people are like, oh, it's nerve stimulation or it's this or it's that. And it's like, you know, if you put a needle in a nerve, nobody will come back to you as an acupuncturist. That's going to be super yeah. painful, you know, not like, that. and I did not go back to that acupuncture. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not what's going on. There are, you know, there are meridian pathways of chi, which is energy that run throughout our bodies. They're the same on both sides. They're related to organs and some are not related to organs. And the idea is like I was saying, we have these cosmic energy patterns that are constantly moving in us and they have a certain movement that's constantly happening, just like the night and day, just like the seasonal patterns. You know, all of these patterns are reflected in, you know, hours or 24 hour periods or, you know, our lifetime patterns. You know, we have birth growth, decline, and death. And then the year we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. In the day we have morning, noon, evening, and midnight. Um, and all of, all of those cycles and patterns started to kind of start to make sense to me. And like, okay, we just have energy moving in us called chi, and we can't see it. You had kind of described that you you began with an orientation toward the unseen as pretty much a skeptic because you were so scientific in the Western tradition of that. And I imagine that Chinese medicine developers, practitioners, doctors, like every throughout, because this modality has been around for literally centuries, all those people have had a relationship with this, this balance between the seen and the unseen, because like, while they may not use x-rays or blood tests, in Chinese medicine, the way that they do in Western medicine, they nevertheless have checks where they come right. up with diagnoses based on the observable and it nevertheless work in the unseen. So it's, yeah. so like, it's a different way of thinking about science mm -hmm. where the allopathic model, we have to measure every single thing. But in, in Chinese medicine, there's still measurables. There's still, you know, like you're yeah. observing the physical real body, but right. you're working in an unseen realm with an unseeable force, which is chi. Right. And like I, I had kidney stones when I was young and then I took some Chinese herbs and I take them if I ever feel a little ache in my kidney mm. and I've never had a stone again. It's been over 20 years, you know, so that's quite provable to me. And that's just my own personal experience, just me, but of course I've treated stones and other people. And, you know, there, there are definitely provable outcomes, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this is effective medicine. I also tell people all the time, I think it's so insulting to say like, 
this is just some like folk medicine, woo woo, whatever the words people use to dismiss it. And it's like, yeah, but it survived at least 5,000 years as far as we know that we have recorded. So you think they're just a bunch of dumbasses practicing this medicine that doesn't work? Like, Yes, yes, they do. I mean, our entire current dominant paradigm is incredibly insulting to everyone's ancestors. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, the, um, how stupid they were to drink milk right from the cow. They did not know about pasteurizing and homogenizing how oh my goodness, they slept with their babies and science says that that's going to kill their They're baby. They're going to kill them. And how well would a baby do in the other cave next door by oh, itself? Oh, they kind of just, yeah, it's, um, we're so dismissive of our ancestors in, yeah. um, in every tradition. To me, one of the most distressing parts about our, this fundamentalist scientist paradigm we live in is we are constantly struggling against the temptation to try to, to translate what we're doing through that paradigm, right? It's not real until we can use the language of the dominant paradigm to describe it. And, right. and it drives me uh, crazy. Like we don't know that babies are comforted by breastfeeding until science can prove it. Are you fucking kidding me? Now we have a study. So, yes. so now we know it's true, <laughs> but all those mothers for thousands of years, like they didn't really know. No. Yeah. And the, the reductionism and, um, what it does to our psyche to describe ourselves into um, this reductionist, uh, what my parts look like if if someone were to kill me and chop me up and, and look at my nerves, what are the chemicals in my brain, what that does to someone's experience is, is completely different than if a person is raised to believe what you're describing is we, we mm -hmm. are conduits between heaven and earth and... Right. <laughs> we, just by uh, existing we're doing a great job you know? right. right we're doing our work in the universe just by being here really like we're holding heaven and earth mm. we're breathing heaven into our lungs and carrying the sky you know so whenever you know you say jocelyn like people learn this through a period of observing i don't think that's true i think most traditional medicine paths around the world describe it as the information was given to them by the cosmos or by mm -hmm. the plants themselves. And can you tell us about that, Kate? My, I have heard yeah. stories that the belief is the medicine Buddha transmitted this information to the people. That just meant that when I just, I want to interrupt to just say that I, there are things that are observable. Like yes. they'll look at your tongue, they'll feel your pulse. It's not like entirely in the realm of the unseen, but please right. Tell us. Well, and so I'll say two things. One thing about that is basically when we can see yin or yang, that means they're out of balance. Mm. When they're in harmony, you don't see them. So like if you see vomiting, that's excess yin. So we can see that. And so we need to dry the the excess yin or, or something like that, you know? Um, so I just love that about Chinese medicine. Like if you see a heat or a fever or something like that, that's the yang is you can see the yang. You shouldn't be able to see it. Right. So I love that. Um, yes. And then as you know, like there's a famous like ancient book, you know, so much was destroyed during the cultural revolution um, in China, but one of the books that survived that's a real foundation of Chinese medicine um, for most people, not all, is called the Shanghan Lun, and it's the great treatise on cold diseases, um, Shanghan Zabing Lun. And um, it was written by John Zhong Jing, and he is lamenting throughout the book that we've gotten so far away from nature that there, so there are so few 
true doctors or healers left in the world, you know, um, and it's because we're disconnected from nature. And this was written 2000 years ago by him. And so he's like, we have this small thread left of like, to the ancient wisdom of nature. So he definitely clearly is saying like, this is natural wisdom. If we're outside of the cycles of nature, if we're not connected to the natural world, we're, we're not doing healing. We're not being true doctors. And um, so I feel blessed that I have this little thread from 2000 years ago to John Jun Jing, where he's, you know, lamenting that there are so few people left and, and we're getting further and further away. So I think, you know, I mean, that 2000 years ago was definitely the belief is like, we're not listening anymore. And our healing is going away because of it, you know, or our ability to heal or our ability to help others heal. Hello, How I Healed listeners. This is Jocelyn. I'm popping in with a quick homegrown ad. So podcast co-host Mary Lou Singleton is offering a herb workshop and listeners to the How I Healed podcast are not going to want to miss this one. This is called Herbs for Psycho-Spiritual Wellbeing. Are you bracing yourself for the next chapter of the human story? Feeling off-center as the world rapidly changes around you? Does the new normal seem anything but normal to you? Come take a deep dive into how the plant world can help you find peace and balance. We are all descended from people who lived through times of great change. Wherever your ancestors originated, they relied on plant medicine to stay healthy and centered. These same plants are available now to help navigate our crazy times. This beginner and advanced friendly class will empower you to know and use herbs for many physical and psychological conditions. Come gather medicine wisdom for yourself and your community. Taught by Mary Lou Singleton, herbalist, midwife, and family nurse practitioner, Mary Lou has been studying and practicing herbalism for over 30 years. To sign up for this course or to book an appointment with Mary Lou, please visit enchantedfamilymedicine.com and you can also find that link right on our substack or in the show notes wherever you are streaming this podcast thanks and let's get back to the show and like i said it's so much about the cosmic rhythms and all these things like winter you know we're supposed to be just like sleeping tons curled up by fires making root vegetable soups and drinking tea all day and I'm wrecked right now because like this is the first day both of my kids made it back to school. My younger daughter didn't go yesterday and um, we're still supposed to be wintering. We're not supposed to be getting up at 645. We're still in the darkest part of the year, you know, and it's, it's like if we can't store our energy and cull all of that, which we don't need, which we started to do in the autumn because that's part of the autumn movement and the autumn practice. And if we can't bring it in and really like kind of reorganize internally and rest and store all this energy so that we can pop up and spring like the crocuses through the snow, then then we're not aligned. We're not in health, you know? Um, and similarly, the organs have times of year, you know, that they're related to. And so the organs, that's one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, there's a different idea of the organs in general in Chinese medicine. So in Chinese medicine, if we're like, oh, there's a liver imbalance, people in Western ideal thought are thinking, oh, is it cirrhosis or, oh, the liver can regenerate or things like that. The liver exists in Chinese medicine everywhere where the blood exists. 
So it's like a, a whole different concept of what the liver is, you know, and same with the spleen and the kidney and the heart. The heart is actually a space in the body where the spirits live, um, which I also love because so when you look at all the, when you look at the Chinese characters of the organs written down, there's, there's two radicals, right? Like two little characters and the, the flesh radical is like a little ladder kind of. And that's next to all the organs. So it'll say like gallbladder with the flesh ladder next to it, the little flesh radical that says this is meat, right? This is flesh, this is physical, this is yin. Um, and so all the organs have that little flesh radical, but the heart doesn't. The heart is just space. The heart is the space of the spirits, plural. Um, and that's where our mental spirit lives as well. And so the concept of that is really different. Same with like blood and chi. You know, if I say like, oh, you you may be a little blood deficient, people are like, I'm anemic. But it's a it's not that. It's again the old character character, the pictograph for deficiency was a tiger hiding under a mountain. So deficiency shows you like you are potentially in danger because you're weak, right? It's a totally deeper concept than like, you know, your your platelets are low or something. I just wrote this down on a sticky note that I am going to put in a place I look all the time at what you said, the heart is a space in the body where the spirits live. Could yeah. you please tell us more about that? Yes. Um, so let's see. So as we're connecting heaven and earth, right, we're bringing in pre-heavenly chi, like we're bringing in our dreams to manifest, right? So we talk about pre-heaven chi and post-heaven chi. And I think a lot about this in like the midnight time, the winter time, the kidney time is when we're doing that work. We're bringing the, the dreams, the ideas, the, the even when you think like, I'm going to make some eggs tomorrow for breakfast. That's pre-heaven chi. That's a thought. It's not happening yet. And then you bring it in to manifest it, right? And so a lot of that manifestation is fire and water. It's the balance between fire and water. And um, so there are two fires in the body. The one is the heart, which is also the emperor. And this is the pre-heaven chi. This is like the spirit. This is the space. And then the kidneys are the second fire, which is what lots of people call like the dantian. Um, you know, it's in dead low in your gut, right? And that is like your fire that sits below your spleen and stomach, which is like the cooking pot where we process and ruminate and percolate and bring in nutrition. And then that creates this nutritious steam that steams up to provide the heart and lungs with nutrition. So that's kind of like the basic picture is we have the, the kidney fire underneath the cooking pot, which is spleen stomach, and then the, the heart and lungs receiving this nutrient dense steam that's keeping, that's like how everything kind of stays alive and the idea. But yang is constantly raining down on us from the sun. And so yang comes into the heart and it's just like pure fire, pure spirit, pure energy, pure yang. And we can't have that in, in this dimension, like, and it's on its own. So then the fire has to transfer down to the kidney. So there's that kind of a process. So let me, let me say this. So for each organ, there's a different, they're called the five wills. So there's a different aspect of human nature, maybe. So the heart holds the shin and that is the mental spirit. So, or spirits, right? So that's just this space where our spirit lives, our soul lives. I mean, however you want to think about it, it can get really deep but there's also like think of that feeling of when you get really scared 
and you like your everything scatters and you feel like your energy scatters out or when you get like a surprise or somebody even jumps around a corner and scares you that scattered feeling is your spirits and your heart scattering out so there's a concept in chinese medicine that with big fears or shocks or surprises those spirits will scatter out of the heart and then they can be replaced with something something else and in Chinese medicine, we're always talking about cold damage. So like that major book, the Shang Han Lun, is the cold damage book, right? Because warmth is means you're alive. And a, when you're dead, you're cold, right? And so cold is always kind of what we're trying to chase out of the body. We're trying to make sure the life force is everywhere and cold can't come in. So like after a woman has a baby, she loses lots of blood and chi. One of the biggest things in Chinese medicine is keeping her super warm there's practices called mother roasting where we like burn herbs around and all of these things so that she, you know, can stay warm enough so cold won't invade, right? So the same thing can happen in the heart, like cold can invade. And so you have this idea of cold damage in Chinese medicine. And that can be emotional abuse. It could be physical abuse. Like think about how people treat you in a cold way. Yeah. And, and you know, in other practices, the heart space, it's kind of like thinking maybe sufism i'm not sure so i'm not going to speak on that but there's this idea that we we have like one of my teachers calls it the big heart connected behind us like that's where our ancestors are that's where everybody that loves us is that's the big heart and that actually we can open this space in our bodies here because it's a space it's not flesh and the spirit the love the universal wholeness we can shine that through and we can shine that out to each other it also means we have to get the gunk out of our hearts too like even our kids there are the people we love we have to take them out of our hearts and actually like put them in front of our hearts to shine our light on them but they can't be stuck in there does that make sense yeah so it's kind of like this idea of the heart is also fire double fire and fire is about connection it's about vulnerability like you think about a little fire trying to find its way to another, like enough kindling to grow and stay alive. And it's about creation and destruction too. So you kind of put all of those concepts together and the the heart is the place where, you know, the great spirit shines through. It's the place where we all have our Tao De, like our, our own Tao that shines through us. Like we all are different stained glass, but we're all shining through this great spirit energy, universal energy, Tao, you know, however you want to think about it. And so this is the heart is the way we actually connect with each other because it's just space and spirit. And it's how we connect to the spirit that we believe in. It's how we connect to our ancestors. It's how we connect to everything. So I hope that answers some of it. I mean, it's just huge concepts, you know, but I love it. It's also called the Valley of the Spirits sometimes, the heart, which I like too. It's such a wonderful antidote to me from um, living in a world where I'm practicing allopathic medicine quite a bit. Yeah. And I just, but this is, this is real medicine is what it sounds like to me in the true holistic sense of that. I would like to hear more about other organs. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. remember when, um, Acupuncture has saved me so many harsh spots in my life. And after my dad died, I was having so many weird, weird symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember going to see this old elderly DOM here in town mm -hmm. and I'd been coming and coming and I was still like having all these symptoms. And finally she said, tell me about your dreams. I'm like, oh, last night I had this crazy dream that I was 
in a, um, it was a huge, beautiful mansion, but it was actually like a ramshackle trailer. You know how that can happen in a, in yes. a dream? One of my crazy relatives was pouring alcohol everywhere and the wood floor was on fire. Ah. And I, I was just, you know, I was having such a hard time and I, and I wanted to run out and lie on the earth, but I couldn't get out of this mm. tra trailer mansion where there was a crazy relative burning up the floors, the wood floors with alcohol. And she's like, oh, we need to work on your liver. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, because it's the wood, right? And you've got this grief and this emotional pain and stress. Also the dreams. And then you wanted to lie on the earth and the way the, the, the wood organ of the liver is related to the earth organs, that would be um, supportive, right? To the liver, the earth would support wood. The liver holds the hun, which is our creative spirit. And that's balanced by the lung, which is the po, which is metal. So the wood liver holds the hun and the metal lung holds the po. And the po is like how I've had it, how I've learned it is that it's um it's just it's like our physical meat body. It's like our meat bag. It's just very physical. Even though the lungs are grief and all these things, the po is just the very physical. So somebody who's like really heavy on Poe would be like a jock, you know, who's just like, oh, I'm going to go football. Yeah. You know, that's really Poe, you know, and just kind of like, that's my foot, not real creative, not real imaginative. Right. And then the balance is the liver, the hun, and that's our creative spirit. But you could go way too far in that too. And that example would be like, you know, an artist that's just got all these amazing visions and all these things they want to do. And like, it never manifests into something, right? There's not enough pole in it. So I, that's one balance. And then um, the kidneys hold the jerk, which is our will or our motivation. The kidneys also hold our ancestral chi, our ethereal chi. So it may, you, you know, lots of connections to potentially what our paths are, what we're healing in this lifetime, what we're healing through lineages, you know, and do we have will and motivation, right? And of course, fear is related there as the emotion. Anger is related to the liver, grief to the lung, kidney, and then um, the jur, we're going to balance kidney with heart, which is the shen, which is the mental spirit. So in thinking about the mental spirit living in the heart, again, you can think about like insomnia or cyclical thought or uh, like irritable restlessness, like that kind of like, that's how I was last night. I just couldn't stop thinking, you know? And so my Shen was really disturbed. So that can be like heat rising up in the body and disturbing the Shen in your heart. And then it can't, your Shen can't settle. Our Shen should go inside and settle at night and, um, and it can't. So that's just kind of an interesting, you know, piece of it. And then who am I missing? The spleen is your yi, which is your, your, like your primordial wisdom, right? Like your deep knowing is your spleen. And the spleen is related with worry and cyclical thought as an emotional. And you think about it, like if you're worried, you can't connect with your yi. You can't connect with your knowing. You can't connect with your true wisdom, right? You don't know what to do because you're like, well, what if I do it wrong? Or what if... I make the wrong choice. And, and if you can like move that stuff out of the way or do some spleen practices or take some spleen herbs or get some spleen acupuncture or something, then you're like, oh, there it is. Like, this is my deep knowing. I really do know what to do. I know what to do in my life. I know what to do to make this choice or in this situation or whatever. 
similarly, if you're filled with fear, you don't have any motivation or will to make the choices you need to make for your kidneys, you know, um, with the liver, it's anger. And, and I'm talking about, so there's Zong and Fu organs. So the main organs we talk about are the five Zong. And those are the ones I just went over. They have organs that are paired with them, which are the Fu or the hollow organs. So that would be like gallbladder paired with liver, large intestine paired with lung as being metal, the metal, the two metal organs, um, the two wood organs are liver and gallbladder. The two earth organs are spleen and stomach. So they're the cooking pot together. And they have a lot to do with, you think about the spleen and stomach are like taking the world in, right? And processing and percolating and, you know, like you eat a banana and it becomes you, you don't become a banana. You know, like I eat the banana, it becomes Kate, or I take in the world around me. And can I stomach that world? It's hard to stomach this world a lot of the time, you know, but the earth organs are, are the spleen and stomach and they're doing that like processing, creating nourishment. They work well with warmth and comfort and laziness and like, you know, just being in your own space. The stomach meridian starts at the eye too. So we're actually fed with what we see. You know, like we're fed by beauty, which was such a beautiful thing for me to realize because it made me realize that my whole life I was making my environments beautiful to nourish and feed myself, you know, when I didn't have that from other places. But it was like, you know, we do these things that are so cool. Um, and then the fire organs are small intestine and heart. Small intestine is has a lot to do with what makes the heart pump in Chinese medicine. Um like a sump pump almost creating the uh, the different pressure in the body to make that work. And also about taking in nutrition. I mean, there's just, I could go on and on. That's the great thing about Chinese medicine is it's just like lifelong learning conversation. It's fascinating. Um, I feel like I'm missing water. Water is kidney, bladder. And so bladder is, yeah, cold water from the North. And there are lots of different formations of how we balance things too you know like in some ways you're you're keeping those paired organs together and treating those paired organs together in some versions of acupuncture the organs paired are totally different you know so I just started like six years ago practicing a different style of acupuncture called Sa'am which is a Korean it's a oral tradition that was passed down through Korean wandering monks and um the teacher that I learned it from is an American guy who was in Korea and was basically dying and he got a treatment from one of these guys and then came back to life and then learned all about it. And now he does that. And so I learned from him. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like 16 years into my acupuncture career, I was like, oh, there's this other kind that I'm going to learn. And it's profound, you know, and effective and really cool. So well, let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean, you sure. you had 16 years in this one tradition before you found the new one. Let's talk about like what was it like to discover that there was a new path unfolding for you within this tradition or, you know, like because I imagine there there must have been an inspiration point and maybe a questioning point of like, oh, wow, I'm really going to embark on a whole new territory when I thought like I already yeah. <laughs> I already was exploring this territory. Right. Well, and, you know, when I first went to Chinese medicine school, it's a very post-cultural revolution Mao version of acupuncture, right? It's quite a westernized version of acupuncture that we learn. 
so Mal went to England and I think studied at Oxford and was kind of enamored with the Western medical system of categorization. So during the Cultural Revolution, he actually decided not to completely destroy Chinese medicine. So there's that silver lining. Um, but he applied a really Western kind of ideal to it, right? So like, these are the asthma points. These are the knee points. These are the herbs that treat all vomiting. And that's not how Chinese medicine historically or classically worked, right? So that's kind of the style that I learned when I first went to school. Practiced that for a while. It felt like things would always kind of plateau, like some things I could completely treat and some things that would just kind of like get better. And then I'd hit a plateau and it wouldn't, I couldn't get anywhere, you know, with certain cases. And so I kept learning. And so I learned many different styles. Like there are, you know, like Dr. Tan, um, Dr. Uh, Tong, Master Tong, um, Dr. Lee, like there are, you know, different doctors that I learned from after school, because you always have to get CEUs. And so there's always super interesting stuff to take. Um, and then I started taking about maybe similarly like five, six years ago, a class with a teacher who teaches like just super classical Chinese medicine. So this is the Shang Han Lin stuff of way before the Cultural Revolution. And she teaches it in what I think is much closer to the original way that it was practiced, which is like, we just look at the cosmic cycles of the day and the movements in time and space how those relate to the movements in time and space in our bodies. And um, all these things, when I started studying with her, all these things that I had learned in school, like all these words and names of things started really making sense. And this was like way, way deep into my, you know, career or whatever. That was super exciting because I felt like, oh, now I get it. And now I understand how if I were an acupuncturist in China, 2000 years ago, I would also be doing Chinese astrology, I would be doing all of those pieces like the stars and the cosmic movements and whether you have more wood or fire balance in your body or water balance or whatever is really important to how your body works right. And so all of that was together, and it's now separated right like I would really love to learn the Chinese astrology which is massively complex and fascinating. Um, but that was a really big part of Chinese medicine, you know, like that was not a separated thing. So the Cultural Revolution happened, Mao separated all this stuff, kind of put it into a Western format, even though it's Chinese medicine. And that's kind of what we learn. And that's kind of how most people practice. So when you go back to the classical way of working, it's much more effective. And then I found this uh, through that kind of forum that I was in with this teacher, um, I found this guy teaching the Sa'am acupuncture and my teacher was also learning it and she was really into it. So we were like, you know, learning together. There were a bunch of people in the class learning it together. So it was nice to get everybody's feedback. And it was just more profound than any other acupuncture I'd ever practiced. So I had all this experience of seeing all these other different styles that were mostly Chinese some Japanese, and I'd done a little bit of like Korean hand acupuncture before, but this was a totally, and it's kind of like a really simple, I love bringing it back to like simplicity. Like this is like a four to eight needle treatment versus I could use 30 needles in a treatment if I felt like it previously, you know? Um, and it's like a really simple kind of like similar to like a five element style acupuncture where you're just like, you find 
in the 12 meridian circle that's all working together, you figure out which one is weakest. So like which one's out and then you support that one. So the whole wheel works correctly again. Again, it's like all of this cyclical wheeling movement, you know, it's, and I love it too. Cause one of my teachers teaches like from a flat earth viewpoint, which makes me happy because, you know, it makes other people insane to be like, ah, you're flat earther, you know, but, um, but really that's our position on this planet right? We watch the sun move around us. We watch Mercury go up and then stand still and go backwards and then go again. That's our viewpoint. This is our human experience. And so, you know, this is how we, we work in Chinese medicine as well. It's just, you know, how the planets are moving around us. And we can know that we're wheeling through the universe like this going around the sun, but it's not how we apply the medicine. Well, I've never thought about the gaslighting of the round earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> the perspective and it's so funny because i'm not i actually do believe the earth is round but i also can hear what you're saying if, if yeah. i'm standing here i watch i watch what's happening in the sky mercury right. as the example of that and then being gaslit of like what you are seeing is not really happening exactly and, it and it's like but it is for us this is still our experience it doesn't matter what the wide angle view is you know this is what we experience being here. Yeah. Tell us about the uterus. Well, so the uterus is the sea of chi and blood. Um, gosh, you know, like not a whole ton of mystical, magical stuff in Chinese medicine or classical Chinese medicine that I've read about the uterus i mean more i've gained from other spaces about how we hold things women hold things in our uterus like our magic our powers our most important things our grief our trauma you know all of these things can be held there um but it's it's almost like described as a place where there is an abundance of chi and blood and there's like extra so you can almost like draw from it and bring it out into your body and then it and then it can go back into that space so it's like just a source of power i guess you could think about it that way um you know it wants to be warm and wet and filled with blood and supple um i don't really know how what more to say about that than that <laughs> Well, maybe as we approach, you know, we've been we've been um, discussing the more theoretical side of this for the last yeah. hour. Let's yeah. fucking dive in to some juicy stories of either your own personal healing with acupuncture or things that you've observed with a client or any yeah. kind of yeah any kind of event where the um. Mary Lou keeps saying DOM, and I've only ever heard TCM. I don't even know what DOM stands for, but so tell me whatever. Yeah, so DOM is just a New Mexico thing. It's just my licensure in New Mexico. I'm considered a doctor of Oriental medicine, so that's my license in New Mexico. It's different in different states. So in many states, you're a LAC. You're a licensed. Oh, that's something I've seen. Yeah. Right, and in some states, you don't need an herbal national certification. In some states, you do. I always recommend trying to find somebody that is well trained in Chinese herbs because it's such a huge part of the medicine. But, you know, either you can do them both separately, too. But 
Well, keeping that in mind, knowing that there's the herbal component and the and the needling and all the other ways of bringing in the full practice of oriental medicine what it, what what's your what's your favorite story that you want to tell us about oh my gosh there's um, so many stories I bet, I bet where would you even begin after literally decades of doing this here's a cool but, one about the sa'am is when I was just first starting to practice it my teacher was like you may only choose one organ to support like and in the practice of sa'am you can only choose two because you do the right side or the left side um or you can do both once you're allowed or whatever, you know? Um, and so I was just practicing. So this would be a four needle treatment only. I had a woman with brain injury. And so she was, um, you know, couldn't look at screens, had to be in low light. Um, she was healing, but she felt really foggy and headachey and just yucky still, you know, kind of nauseous. And I chose the Sanjiao Meridian. And so the Sanjiao is a concept we haven't really talked about. It's, it's very unwestern, but it's those three areas of the body. It means the triple warmer. Um, and so it's that fire and the cooking pot and the steam, right? They're the three parts of the body. It also controls like all the interstitial fluids. And it kind of is like the spaces in the body almost as, as a concept, right? And so in the practice of Sa'am, all the organs are paired together and they're kind of opposites. So the Sanjiao is paired with the liver in this. And so this, the Sanjiao is about like bright piercing light in a desert. And it's like the empath that's like arms wide open, like just completely open. So if people are super empathic and, and they like need a little bit more of a boundary and a little bit more of a cover, you would choose the liver because you'd want to kind of balance out that, that wide open empathic Sanjiao energy. Or alternatively, if somebody's really, really self-focused, like maybe depression or just so internal and inside of themselves, even to the point that they're like clumsy and bonking into furniture when they walk by or something, you would want to bring in the sanja. <laughs> and the liver is also like the cool red forest energy, redwood forest energy. It's like a misty, dark, mossy, dense, like bloody energy, you know? And so you the, that's the balance, right? And so she was so inside of herself and so like, almost couldn't see and had to be in this dark space, right? So I did this, I chose Sun Zhao. I was like, let's bring some bright pointed sunlight in to your brain. And um, she, I put the needles in and she was like, wow. And I was like, what? And she was like, it was like a windshield wiper just went across my brain and my eyes. Like it just cleared and it just helped so immediately, you know? Um, so that's a good one. That's just a simple thing, you know, um, a more profound one. I was working with a woman who's also a healer. And so the conversation was maybe a little different than it would be with other clients. And she was like, I just really feel like my masculine and feminine are so out of balance and da, 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 da. And so for her on that day with the balance of the Sa'am acupuncture, we ended up doing kidney to support her feminine and kidney is about self-love. It's about bringing your energy back to you versus the opposite, which is small intestine where you're like way too much networking, way too much doing for other people, way outside of yourself. And so I, I was like, you know, it sounds like you really, you need to bring your feminine energy back in. So we did kidney on one side and then we chose large intestine for her other, for her masculine balance. 
And that large intestine is more about letting go of that, which you don't need, like having the ability to like, I'm done with that. It's also about like fortifying bone and teeth and making things like crystallized and strong. And it's very kind of like type A workaholic style. And I felt like that was a really good representation of the yang that she wanted to bring into her body, right? The masculine that she wanted to have represented in her balance of herself. And then the kidney was the feminine balance that she wanted to represent of herself, which is like self-love and bringing all her energy to her. And we did that treatment and she was just super blown away. You know, it was one of those treatments where she was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I'm back. I'm back to myself. It brought me home, all these amazing things, you know? Um, for me personally, not having kidney stones anymore was a big deal, you know, cause that's awful. Um, <laughs> I had a, you know, my first, when I was like 21, so before Chinese medicine school, and then I was living in Mexico and I had, I was 27 and I got another one. And I knew that once you get two, then your body is not processing oxalates or calcium or something correctly, you know, and you're getting these stones building up. And then for a while, I would take this formula, you know, like maybe once a year for four days. And that just like staved it off. And now I don't even take it anymore unless I feel like, oh, I'm dehydrated or I feel a little kidney ache. And then I take it for like maybe three days and I haven't had a stone since. Um, what would be the explanation for the, the energetics going on of someone developing kidney stones? Yeah, I mean, that could be ancestral. It could be fear. It could be uh, more of a physical plane like dehydration and lack of self-care, which for sure it was for me when I was 21, you know. I was like living in a trailer with an alcoholic boyfriend and drinking way too much as well and really unhappy, you know, and then in, in Mexico, I was similarly, similarly kind of like adrift on my own out in the world in a place that I didn't really speak the language at that time yet. And I didn't know anybody really. I had, I was just kind of threw myself to the world. Um, so that might've been it for me personally, but yeah. I would say it's, um, and then in thinking about it too, with the kidneys are fi fire water balance. So it could be a lack of ability to manifest what you want to manifest, you know, things getting stuck in your manifestation on earth. Cause you're bringing that post or the pre heaven chi in through the heart to the kidneys so you can manifest, um, in the physical world. So it could be some like that. Could be just a water pathways aren't open in the body as well. Like there's a lack of flow of water pathways in your body. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I love it is because it's so individual, right? And you you look at each person completely separately and you might use the same herbal formula to treat a migraine and uh, cramps or something, mm. like that, you know, um, depending on what the balance is going on in the person. I've also seen in like postpartum where the uterus won't contract back down, putting in two needles and it right back to the middle. And that's very cool. You know, stuff like that, where it's just like, wow, that just happened in 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah that's just such a powerful example of how, like you said at the beginning, when you are needling someone, it's their chi that's being moved. It's not something you're inserting into them. And what a powerful example. If the uterus is contracting, it's literally her body healing yeah. itself in response to the slightest stimulus it's like yeah. she has the 
wisdom that the uterus needs to contract, but she just needs a little bit of support to like yeah. Does anybody remember your chi moves in this pattern? And then it goes, oh yeah, you know? And, and I love that too, because I don't want to be called an expert or a healer or I want, I don't want to do things to people in it, you know, in, in that sense. Um, it's a really communal effort. It's a combined effort. You know, people heal because they're ready to receive it. They're ready to open to, to be open to it. They're in a space where they are ready for that. You know, I've had people come in that are like, I remember one lady years and years ago, but she was like, her identity was the, I'm the hard patient. Nobody can help me. Nobody has ever been able to fix me. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I treated her and I, I watched her muscles relax. I watched her pulse and tongue change, you know, and she denied it. She wasn't going to accept that something had taken place in her body that was different, you know. And um, so I, I think, I guess it's both ways. Like, even if you come in saying like, I don't believe in this, this is hogwash, but, you know, you're wife made you come in and do it i've definitely had that situation where a family member's like you must go to this acupuncturist and the people come in and they're like i don't believe in this and you see them get better but they attribute it to something else you know like i still think that it it has an effect just like many things just like when we go to sleep at night healing is happening whether we're you know intending it to or not or asking for it or not mm. um but yeah, I just, I, I hate the Western medical model of I'm the expert, I have all the knowledge, I am going to heal you because of these things. And really when it's just become mostly pharmaceuticals at this point, it's not even like old school doctors that we used to have maybe growing up, you know. Oh, totally. When it comes to chronic conditions, oh, there's few people, no one's getting better. I mean, no. It's just chronic disease no. management. Right. Can you tell us if you're comfortable the story of your second birth and how this sure. medicine played into that? Sure. Gosh, Mary Lou, you're going to have to remind me things too. Um, so let's see. The second birth, it was a hard birth. Everybody lied to me and said, the second one's a piece of cake. And so <laughs> I had that belief system happening. And and it was it was a hard birth. Um, that is not the lesson that your youngest needed you to experience in order to be the the right mother for her, right? Like, no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to think about. I there was something in the air. I remember, and we're talking about my second birth, right? Yeah, 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 just with when, yeah, with Ari's emergence into the world. Yeah, so there was something in the air with her through the pregnancy and through the birth where it was like I could feel we were right on the edge, and you always are in birth, right? You're on the edge of death and life and death. You're just walking that line. You're straddling that line, right? To bring life in, you've got to kind of have feet in both sides, I think. Um, and so I was bleeding through the pregnancy. I thought I was going to lose her. I didn't feel her energy in me um, until I was in the ocean in Mexico, pretty far into her pregnancy. And I always like to get in the ocean and see if I can 
like think about the depths and the darkness and the whales and all the big things like you know just in there making creaking noises and stuff and so I got in the ocean and I was doing that because I always like to do that and I finally felt her energy it was just so mm, gentle and uh watery you know compared to my first daughter where I could feel her energy separate from mine while I was pregnant with her and um yeah and so then Ari ended up being like a triple water sign born in a water year like she is a hundred percent water she's like you know, um, but her birth also, it was like a 17 hour process. I know Mary Lou was there as my friend, which I was so grateful for. And she was like hushed, worried voices in the other room with the midwife Louise. And I was like, oh, I hear all that. I feel all that. At one point you were like, you want to get on hands and knees? And I was like, oh shit, her shoulders stuck. Like I knew too much about the birth process. So I knew things were not going great. Um, but Barb was there and she just sat and held the space and watched me. And so finally Ari came out and, uh, I felt like what was in the air was like, you know, her getting stuck, me bleeding out, lots of things were kind of in the air. Right. And I could feel those things. So when she finally came, I was in the water and she, Louise, the midwife, was behind me, and she kind of slipped out of Louise's hand, so she floated up in front of me, and I remember I grabbed her, I got her up on me, and she was gray, and like not in her body at all, but I wasn't even a tiny bit worried, because I could feel her up in the corner by the chimney, and and I had worked at a birth center in Bali with acupuncturists and you know, lots of other amazing people that were there supporting women in birth. And so I had learned some things there. And one birth that I witnessed there, um, the mother was, you know, had very low nutrition. It was a very emergency birth situation. The baby's heartbeat was dropping. The midwives there, and that's it. We were needling the mother while she was giving birth, which is not normally what would go on. So it was a pretty like emergency kind of situation. And the midwife there was like, we got to raise the oxytocin in the room. We got to everybody turn to each other and tell each other you love each other. Everybody. And it was like an incredible experience because everybody in the room and the energy in the room helped bring that baby out. And then it was like needle the bottom of those baby's feet, which is the kidney meridian right? So it's grounding you into the earth and it's bringing you, it's like that manifesting that pre-heaven, post-heaven thing, right? Like you got to get into your body. You can't just stay in the pre-heaven chi. You got to come in and that's through the kidney. This is what connects us to the earth, right? And so Ari came and I was thinking of that birth and I could feel her up in the corner and not in her body. Her APGAR scores were not great. Um, and I remember Mary Lou saying, talk to your baby, talk to your baby. And I remember I pinched up and down her spine and I remembered that from Bali. And then I, I was like, oh yeah, I know how to get her in. I'll do what they did to that baby that was born with the cleft palate that like was such an emergency birth that we brought in with the oxytocin. Um, and so I just stuck my finger in my fingernail into the bottom of her foot at the kidney point, kidney one on her left foot. And she came right into her body and cried big, you know, it was like, and but this is all the invisible realm, you know, and, and this is what all of our ancestors believed in, like everybody's ancestors believed in, you know, and, and this is what we're now ignoring 
by categorizing everything in only it's only real if you can prove it or see it or or put it in a study or whatever. I, I, she was not in her body, and then and maybe she was waiting to see like let's see if this mama knows how to take care of me well enough. Okay, I'll come in. Who knows, you know? But um and yeah and and I wasn't again like I wasn't. It didn't scare me. I could feel the other worry floating around in the room or the concern maybe is a better word, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff's real. It's undeniable for me at this point. And I was totally somebody that was like, you know, if you can't show me a study, then get out of my face, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> much younger. Yeah. Beautiful. That's Thank you. I think that's a great place to end it unless you have more questions, Jocelyn. I don't have any questions, but I do have one short reflection. And that is I had the blessing of being treated by Kate in September when Mary Lou, Kate and I, and one other of our friends were all on vacation together. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just had a download as you were talking about the kid, because, you know, maybe you'll remember this when you treated me, you were focusing on kidney, I think. Yeah, and pericardium, I think. Yes. And so I had never had your style of acupuncture with the four to eight needles, like very low amount of needles. And I remember feeling that it was extremely deep, even though it was uh, so few needles and like big movement happened for me that night. But I was just, as you were talking about kidney, you know, you had not given me the background on kidney at the time of my treatment that it has to do with self-worth but Um, when I discovered German new medicine in the last year and have started to explore the psychic origin of rheumatoid arthritis as a self-devaluation conflict in the system of German new medicine I started to look at the ways in my life that I have very poor self-image and a lack of self-love and self-worth and have had my entire life. And so when you said that about kidney and how you felt called to treat me in that in that moment on the level of kidney and pericardium, mm-hmm. it just resonates so much because I do feel like the journey of the last few years has been upping my self-worth and my like spirit and my ability to be seen and present in community and in like the world. And so, yeah, it's just, it's so cool when different modalities prove to have reflections that are resonant with one another like yeah of course of course kidney has to do with self-worth of course my kidney needs extra and and the pericardium is the heart warmer it's the heart protector so it's like that's the flesh that we have around the space of the spirits yeah but that's super beautiful too I think and I love that you said that I mean this is how I have found truth in this world right now where it's so hard to find what's real and what's true and what can you believe in and trying to trust yourself and trust your instincts and all that kind of stuff. Um, When you find that, you know, ancient Chinese think about things the same way the Navajo, the Diné people do here in New Mexico, you're like, well, that's it. That's true. I mean, that's how, that's the way I feel it when it's like, well, okay, I'll take that. I'm going to trust that, you know? No, I totally agree. I think it's so, it's just, it just lands for you. You're like the wisdom of that is so obvious when, yeah, 
it's reflected in so many places. It's like the synchronicities piling up and revealing to you, like, yes, it is time for you to focus on self-worth and, and the, and the, and the nurturance of your spirits, protect those spirits, love them. Give you know, them space. It's like divine downloads when yes. you, you know, for sure. Yes. So thank yeah. you so much for that gift. And also I want to say one more thing. And that is that I can't wait for you to become an expert Chinese astrologer. And if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, then like, do you think that it's gonna, I mean, I just see this possibility where if you don't have the time to become, just because it it literally takes a lifetime to get, to become an expert at at a field like oriental medicine, where there's always something more to learn. And the same is true Mm -hmm. in astrology. And I've been studying astrology for 20 years and feel like I'm still scratching the surface. That's it's the like, same way I feel like right? I, even, I know that I didn't say things really categorically correctly at some points, even in this interview, partly because I'm tired, but also because it's, you can arrange it in so many different yes. ways. And I do, I, I'm a total grasshopper still, yes. and I'm 20 plus years in, you know, but, but right. I love that. Yeah. And maybe you could come back in another lifetime and be an acupuncturist again and all, and then study astrology in that lifetime. So then you'll but, be bringing it together. I know. <laughs> Thank you for That's that. That's my blessing for Push you. For me. I know. I love it. Thank you, Jocelyn. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. This is great. Good. Well, thank you so much, Kate. This is amazing. I, I hope so. I hope that it. like Jocelyn's intention was at the beginning that if anybody that needs to hear it, hears it and some people get some wisdom or some healing or direction mm. with it for themselves. Thank you guys both so much for having this podcast. I've been loving it and I think it's so important. Oh, really. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Thank you both. Well, oh, were you going to say uh, something? Yeah, I think we should call this one okay. The Heart okay, is I was a just Space. Gonna... Well, I want to I think the title oh. of it should be The Heart is a Space in the Body where the Spirits Live. I love that. I thank you for that. You know, titles are probably my my weakest point in yes. podcast. Oh, sweet. I love it's that. It's hard, yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, with that said, I'll sign us off. Um, okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of How I Healed Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and review it on Spot- Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Substack, wherever you listen to it. If you want to support our work, please sign up to be a subscriber at either the free or paid tier on Substack. Our- podcasts are you know just in its infancy stages and every every show of support helps us to stay on this path and to and stay committed to finding the juiciest stories of personal healing for our listeners so thank you so much for your support and for spreading the word about this podcast